0: So, Will. Yes. In this week's movie slash, I guess, maybe TV show, unclear. The characters fall into the classic trope of coworkers who are way too involved in each other's lives, especially their private dating life. So, I have to ask what is your favorite piece of media in which coworkers maybe date too often in the office or are just overall weirdly involved in the people they work with? personal life
1: mark i got a simple answer for us and it's our gal's barb and (laughs) star the most inappropriately involved in one another's lives of all the employees at jennifer convertibles because they spend all of their time talking through the details of their emotional sagas and sitting on the couches and also allegedly hosting thanksgiving there
0: i feel like It's less that they're too involved in each other's lives and they're too involved in Jennifer's life. Of course, I mean Jennifer of Jennifer's convertibles.
1: I mean, that's definitely true. I also think that uh, as much as I love Barb and Star, they could probably use a little distance from each other. I think they need some boundaries.
0: I think they at least need separate bedrooms at the very minimum.
1: Yeah, the side by side twin beds are not helping them to have some distance.
0: Mora, what is your first thought?
2: I think probably in The Devil Wears Prada. How Andy is always having to go like get things for the twins, like surfboards or the new Harry Potter book. And she's going to Meryl Streep's house to like drop things off and pick things up. But I also think in a lot of like made for TV Christmas movies, the co workers <laughs> are way too involved in people's lives. My first thought was a Christmas kiss, which is sort of more like her. It's not really co workers Her boss's fiance. Yeah. But I do feel like in general, Christmas movies. The people are way too connected.
0: I mean, the main thing you're describing is workplace abuse.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yes. But that is
1: a good point about the Christmas movies.
2: Because they have so few characters, so they have to know everything about each other's lives. They have to be co-workers and best friends.
1: The one that really stands out to me is Mingle All the Way, which is the one, which I've talked about a weird amount on this podcast. It's the one where there's the dating app to find you a plus one for like holiday parties. And I just remember the coworkers being like very invested in that one.
0: I just my first thought always goes to every NBC sitcom. Fair. That is true. They
2: all marry each other.
0: They all get married at some point. And the office is particularly egregious because everyone has exes in the office and not just current love affairs. <laughs> The
1: world of The Office is like what my students, what all, students at every school I've worked at think teachers' lives is like, where they're like, well, you all must be dating each other because I can't imagine you know anybody who doesn't work here. And that is apparently the case in The Office. But to
2: be fair, a lot of teachers at our high school were either married together or dating.
1: That's true. But like, at the first school that I worked at, students decided I was dating one of my coworkers, and they kept insisting it was true, even though we said it wasn't. They believed it so strongly that when this woman got engaged to the person she'd been dating for that entire time, multiple students came to check on me to make sure I was okay.
0: I feel like most married couples at schools tend to be married before they start teaching there too. This was not true at our high school. (laughs) Really? Yes.
1: There were a lot of teacher couples that formed there.
0: Yeah, I don't know if that's great either. Obviously, I live for the drama, and I found out every couple that had dated at my workplace within the first month of being there. I think,
2: luckily, all the couple teacher couples at our high school that we were aware of were successful, and they ended in marriage, so there were no real awkward breakup situations.
0: Yeah, I think that's the worst part in the office, is there are so yeah. many breakups,
1: And it is the kind of thing where, like, in the early years, the show was better equipped to handle that. Where, like, the season three relationship with Roy still being around is suitably awkward and uncomfortable. It's later on in the run where they're just like, oh, we're going to mix and
0: match characters
1: and (laughs) and just keep rolling along.
0: They just throw spaghetti at the wall and hope two of the strands stick. But they really just try every combination.
1: So, Mark, I am It's. I can't un- imagine why you would have thought of this based on the movie that we watched this week.
0: Uh, I think we need to honestly just dive into it because I don't know if this episode will capture the unreasonable amount of rage that this movie <laughs> filled me with. <laughs> Mark, you were
1: like pounding your fists against the couch. This is the first time in like two years that we've watched a movie for the podcast together because you went to London and then we had the pandemic.
0: Right. We actually were in the same room while we watched it. Of course, we're recording in separate rooms in the same apartment. I thought you were actually going to get up and
2: walk away at one point.
0: I was close. I genuinely don't know what it was that made me so angry about the lead character. But every time he spoke and the camera was just on him, I felt in my chest a ball of rage form.
1: So, Mark, you're not going to be joining the P.O. Stables, the... Fandom for the Signed, Sealed, Delivered franchise. What? Yeah, it's spelled like Postables, but P and O are both capitalized, oh like in post my office.
0: God. Yeah. No, I, <laughs> I unfortunately feel obligated to watch every one of the twelve <laughs> movies in this series. Well, don't speak too soon,
1: Mark, because you may not be aware yet of all there is to the Signed, Sealed, Delivered universe.
0: You gotta oh tell God. us all about it. Alright, so let's get this show underway. Welcome to We Love the Love, a Hollywood romance podcast. I'm Mark and I'm Gay. And I'm Will
1: and I'm a ginger. And this is a podcast dedicated to investigating the most important issue facing our world. How can we get this mail back to the person that it's supposed to go to?
0: I just cannot with this movie. It's the most important thing, Mark. Everyone deserves to be jailed in this film.
1: We're also investigating whether Hollywood romance actually makes any sense.
0: It does not. If these people are actually dateable, no. Or even likable, (laughs) no-er.
1: It doesn't matter if their romance is a main plot or a one-scene flirtation. We are consigned to (laughs) figuring it out.
2: Consigned sealed, delivered. (laughs) (laughs) So
1: this week, as we've alluded to multiple times, we are talking about the Hallmark Movies and Mysteries original movie, Signed, Sealed, Delivered, colon, The Road Less Traveled. And we're joined by our chief medical expert, my sister Mora, presumably to talk about the insanity of this movie. <laughs> but first off, I think you need to explain yourself and why we are watching this.
2: I was doing some Christmas shopping at the mall. In like 2019. Yep. And went into the Hallmark store just to look around, and I found their movie section, and figured this was a must-have for the podcast.
1: So, Mora, like, on Christmas, gives me, uh, and, like, it's obvious it's a DVD. I'm like, all right, Mora's giving me a movie. And I open it, and I'm like, what is this? And she announces that not only do we have to cover it on the podcast, she has to come on to discuss it.
0: Now, when I was first told about this, I didn't really realize that there was a colon involved, and just thought it was called Signed, Sealed, and Delivered, and it was a one-off thing. And then Will explained, no, this is a whole big thing, and now I need all of the details about the Signed, Sealed, Delivered verse.
1: All right, so the one that we are watching is, I believe, the 10th Signed, Sealed, Delivered movie. And each one of these movies is about the P.O. Stables, the people who work in the dead letter office of the U.S. Postal Service in Colorado, and its job is to take mail where you can't figure out where it was supposed to be sent or where it came from and get it to its destination by using clues. Um, the dead letter office is not a real thing.
0: And also explosive chemicals.
1: <laughs> yeah,
2: that we never really figured out how that worked in.
1: Right. We are introduced to our main characters like doing chemistry. We are told why they're doing it. Because they're developing a chemical formula that when you, like, put it on paper, it'll help reveal, like, ink that has otherwise been rubbed off. Oh, my
2: God. So you
1: can find out what the address was.
2: Not if coconut juice spilled everywhere.
1: So, Signed, Sealed, Delivered started off as a two-hour movie pilot on the Hallmark Channel in October 2013. From there, it became an hour-long drama series. So in the spring of 2014... They aired 10 episodes of, like, 42-minute 40, episodes with commercials, where each week, the P.O. Stables have to get some piece of mail to its destination, while also dealing with their personal drama. They only aired the one 10-episode season, and then after that, instead of renewing it for a second season, Hallmark turned it into a series of movies. So as of now, there have been 11 Signed, Seal-delivered movies that aired on Hallmark Movies and Mysteries between 2014 and 2018. There were, like, two or three movies per year. The one that we watched, The Road Less Traveled, is the second-to-last one that they made. But, as we record, a new one is shooting right now.
2: Oh, my God. Like, it
1: started shooting, like, four days ago.
2: Oh, so my God. So, this one, it's not like the ones that were the TV show and the movies are the same?
1: They are the same. It's oh, like a continuous continuity. Okay. So, you like, if you want to watch all of it, Mark, you watch the two hour pilot movie. That's two hours on TV, so it's like an hour and 20 minutes or so. So you watch the pilot movie, then you watch the 10 episode series, then you watch the so far 11 movies. This new one is gonna feature Shane and Oliver preparing for their wedding. So, spoiler alert
2: <laughs> Shane and Oliver's wedding? Yeah. Oh, I thought it was gonna be Norman and Rita's wedding. No,
1: they get married in number 11.
2: Oh, so oh, we I see.
1: watch the one where they prepare for their wedding. Then there's one where they get married. The next one is Shane and Oliver preparing for their wedding. And presumably after that, they
2: get married. They should not get married.
0: Does Oliver propose during the wedding?
1: I hope so, like best man style.
0: I would not be surprised because he is evil incarnate.
1: So the movies were created by Martha Williamson, whose big credit that is still prominently displayed on this DVD box Morigami, got me, is that she was the executive producer of Touched by an Angel for the entirety of its run which also helps to explain the vague
0: Christianness of this movie. It's the exact wrong amount of religiosity, where it just feels forced and fake.
2: Yeah, it was one thing when they were just discussing topics that you should talk about with your significant other before getting engaged, and they were like, how important is religion to you? But then at one point... Shane said something about religion or faith and Oliver's face lit up and he was like, Oh my gosh. And that just felt like so out of nowhere.
1: There's also the scene where he's like reminding Shane, you know, you can't make the sun come up and go down. There's only one person whose
0: job that is. Yeah. That was by far the worst one. So one thing I learned
1: from reading about the sign seal delivered franchise is that Oliver actually has a divine delivery theory he believes that, like, their work is in a very touched-by-an-angel sense serving God, because he believes that the mail that gets to them like, they have to figure out how to get it to its destination and, through the grace of God, they manage to get that mail at the exact time it needs to be delivered.
0: Oh my God. I I cannot handle this. This information is shattering my brain. I mean, this these movies do have,
1: like, a robust fan base. Like, as much as a series of Hallmark movies can. Like, when they started posting on Instagram that they were making another movie, people were excited.
0: I just don't get it. It's so bad. And of course I'm going to watch more of them. Not the two-hour pilot. I think we need to just pick out and choose the random movies because I enjoyed We Fast 9 it and I kind of enjoyed it.
1: And by We Fast 9 it, you mean we watched it without any context, which is what we did with F9.
0: Yeah, I... If you haven't listened, we've definitely mentioned this, but if you are new to the pod, Will, Catherine, and I went in fully blind on the Fast series.
1: Mark, you've got to remember, we're getting a lot of P.O. Stables listening to the podcast for the first time this week.
0: Oh, I hope so, because I have so many questions, and I hope they interact with us on Twitter to find oh, out I hope- more.
2: I hope they suggest a lot of great movies for you all to watch on the show. I think there are probably 10 more that they really like.
0: There is one where they are dealing with the aftermath of Hurricane Katrina, and for some reason, I believe that won't be handled well or sensitively.
2: There was probably a lot of lost mail after that.
0: Yeah. Mark, have you ever seen Touched by an Angel? I remember my mom watching it on the TV when I was in the room as a child. It is a very strange TV show. Isn't it about, like the chief angel saying you angel go solve this person's problem
1: yeah it's it's a procedural for angels where like the main characters are angels who have to like go and and help people deal with their stuff and it's mostly just like random modern day issues and having something to do with god usually solves the problem the one truly wild one that i've definitely talked about on the podcast is there is one that is a period piece of one of the angels trying to get John Wilkes Booth not to kill Lincoln. And it is a truly wild hour of
0: television. A lot of what I know about Touch by an Angel comes from Maria Bamford's stand-up about it. And it sounds crazy. I kind of want to watch the John Wilkes Booth one, but I also feel like it would shatter me.
1: Oh, it's hilarious. There's a moment in it where the angel meets John Wilkes Booth in a bar and Booth asks him, like, are you from a northern state or a southern state? And the guy goes, I like to think I'm from a state of grace.
2: Oh, my <laughs> gosh.
1: Awful. Jail. Also, John Wilkes Booth's last words were just him repeating useless over and over again. And, like, obviously, like, we don't know what he meant. But most people think, like, ah, I killed Lincoln and it was useless. But in Touched by an Angel, the angel is there and only Booth can see him. And the angel is like, John Wilkes Booth. It's not too late for you to say you believe in God and go to heaven. And John Wilkes Booth is like, useless.
0: Oof. <laughs> All around oof situation.
1: Speaking of villains, this movie was written by a Harkonnen.
0: Uh, wait, actually, like their last <laughs> name?
1: Yes, the, the woman who wrote this movie is called, uh, her name is Brandy Harkonnen. It's the, actually the only one of the movies that Martha Williamson does not have a writing credit on. But Brandy Harkonnen has been around since the days of the TV show. She wrote the season one finale. So she's very much a part of the sign, seal, delivered verse.
0: Maura, were there other ones of these at the store when you were there? Like, did you actively pick this one?
2: Um, I truly cannot remember. I just saw that it was postal workers, like, solving a mystery or, and also having a love life or something, and it seemed like a must-have.
0: I mean, it was. I have no I, regrets about to watching clear, this movie. be clear, you chose well. <laughs> <laughs> I have zero regrets, but God, it made me so angry. I don't know. I genuinely cannot figure out what it was that pissed me off so much. It was Eric Mabius. Every time he was on screen, you yelled. He's
2: so stiff and like, he doesn't talk like a normal person.
1: I think it's clear. Oliver is a replicant.
0: The fact that he doesn't have a cell phone is weird and I don't think it's serving the purpose they think it does. He doesn't need a cell phone because he has
1: 5G. Like, he is a robot connected to the internet.
0: (laughs) Right, he can tap into the World Wide Web at any time. But the movie glorifies paper maps and is all about how good it is to be off the grid. It's weird.
2: They didn't use the internet to solve their mystery at all.
0: Yeah, I guess even for, like, finding
1: hotels, they just, like, called hotels.
0: (laughs) That's I love that they called every hotel in Pueblo City or mesa pueblo to ask if they had a ballroom
2: yeah that
0: was a lot and then if they had any records of parties that were held in the 1980s yeah uh the answer to that is definitely no
1: so the premise uh, we've kind of alluded to it but the premise of the science Seal delivered movies because i had to do a bunch of reading about this is that there is this dead letter office that delivers unidentifiable mail like figures out where they're supposed to go and then they also deal with the relationship drama of the characters there. We have four central characters, Rita and Norman, and they start dating earlier on in the series. The one that we watched, they're engaged, they get married in the next movie, which is Sign Seal delivered colon to the altar. And then really the clear protagonists are Shane and Oliver. Oliver, I think, is the head of the office. In the two-hour pilot movie, Shane apparently was like some kind of like techie person who got transferred to the dead letter office by mistake, but then she really took to its mission and started convincing them, like, we should do some, like, unusual methods to try to get these mail back. So I'm guessing all the stuff that we identified watching the movie as, like, wow, that's, like, at best, outside their jurisdiction, and at worst, illegal. Like, that is Shane's influence leading them to be more irresponsible.
2: You think Shane and Oliver are the clear protagonists of this movie? I feel like they had so little character development.
1: Yes, but however, I think they are the leads. Because part of it is, like, if you think about this in terms of, like, a made-for-TV movie, like, Norman and Rita are, like, too quirky, like, too kind of weird, whereas Shane and Oliver are are bland, ostensibly attractive
0: leads.
2: Uh, Yeah, I guess so. uh, uh,
0: Okay. They are (laughs) bland. I will give you that they are bland. I just... I think it's important that we take a second to acknowledge that in this movie four post office workers whose job it is is to return lost mail decide to investigate what they believe to be a kidnapping
1: right it's very clear as soon as they find the message that it's like daddy mom took me away we're in a gray car i want to go home at that point you hand that over to the fbi and that is not your job
2: Yeah, the only calls they made after learning of this suspected kidnapping were to hotels. And, like,
1: they aren't even postal inspectors.
0: They just work for this dead letter office. Yeah, they are not law enforcement officers. The post office has law enforcement officers. These are not the U.S. Postal Inspectors. You can
1: learn all about them at our finest Smithsonian Museum, the U.S. Postal Museum.
2: They go around questioning all these people, and no one, like... Everyone's always a little bit hesitant to share information, but all they really say is they're investigating something and then everyone's immediately on board. Like no one ever really wants to see any proof or credentials or anything.
1: Right. The one person who's suspicious is the lady who owns the diner and she behaves the way you should in those circumstances. Yeah.
0: Especially after someone says they're from the post office. I guess you wouldn't lie about that. So if they're probably not scammers if they're saying they're just from the post office.
2: Yeah, that's a good point.
0: Oh, God. More this, look, I had a I
1: had a good time watching this with the two of you because it is so riotously terrible.
0: I am so glad we watched this together.
2: Oh, me too.
1: Yeah. I was realizing this is our first TV movie we've done that is neither a Christmas movie nor a high school musical movie. Yeah,
2: because no, I just that's don't that's think in true. general they're that worth it.
0: Pool Boy Nightmare
1: was not released <laughs> theatrically. <laughs> that is true. But that was a pandemic issue. <laughs>
0: That was going to be on 4,000 screens.
2: (laughs) Was it? No. Oh.
0: Uh, Pool Boy Nightmare. We should get Melissa back for another Lifetime movie. Yeah, we probably should.
2: I did feel like the opening, in the opening scene of this movie, I got real, like, High school musical vibes with the quality of the movie and the quality of the filming. Where, like, with the first high school musical where it just jumps right into them filming this New Year's party, it felt very on par.
0: Well, this movie is lit horribly. Yeah. It felt pretty lifetime at times because it was about a distressed woman and her child. I wish it had been more
1: lifetime. Like, I want it to be a little more salacious, but it's too Christian to be that.
0: Yeah, you don't get the dove seal of approval if. You have any form of salaciousness.
1: And to be clear, there is actually a Dove seal of approval on the cover of this DVD Morobot from the Dove Foundation, which is like a Christian organization that checks to see if movies are okay for your family.
2: Wait, I really thought it was like Dove skincare. No!
0: Did, we not, did we not explain that after
1: the joke? No. Yeah, they also give out Dove awards. For the most family-friendly stuff.
2: I just thought it was from the soap company.
1: Why would it be from the soap company? Is that why you then were like, I just want him to give her some soap? Yes. You know, (laughs) like... You were sitting there waiting for the soap to come up.
2: I thought it was just like, you know, Dove, healthy living. Oh my
1: god. That would be delightfully aggressive product placement. (laughs) Like, if you go back to, like, the 50s model of television advertising, where the host of the variety show is just like, I only use morton's lead paint to paint my house whenever you need paint get morton's lead but like in the middle of a movie they're just like hand me some of that dove soap will you
2: yeah like in the truman show when people just stop what they're doing and hold up the product and tell you about it
1: so here's the thing that's very funny in the truman show but it is a joke in the truman show
2: yeah i get that
0: (laughs) Oh, will are you gonna tap into the dove foundation awards after you've Get Wikipedia all caught up on the AARP Movies for Grown Ups Awards. I'm not really interested in that because the thing is, like, the Dove Awards, like
1: much of Christian culture of, like, the early 2000s, and I don't know exactly when the Dove Awards were started, but, like, they are deliberately countercultural. Like, they are trying to say, like, We are not a part of the big culture. This is the stuff that's ours. And what I like about the AARP Movies for Grown Ups Awards is that they are openly trying to use the awards to become players in Hollywood. Like, AARP is always talking about, like, if we award movies about old people, then Hollywood will make more movies about old people. Like, AARP's goal is to become a major awards precursor, and the Dove Awards don't care about that.
0: Yeah, that's fair. But I am very curious to see a slate at the Dove Awards.
1: Like, AARP... If you ever read their, like, press releases, basically they claim that because they have expanded their field, where, like, in the first years there were, like, three or four nominees per category, and now there are five, and for some reason, some years they have, like, eight or ten in the top category, they're like, see, it's since we started the AARP Movies for Grownups Ups Awards, now we have so many, we are expanding our field and we're having to leave stuff off, like, the AARP Movies for Grownups Ups Awards are working.
0: Well, I only wish them the best. All right, so back to sign, Sealed, Delivered, colon, The Road Less Traveled. I'd ask if anyone had watched this before, but I think it's pretty clear from our reaction that none of us had any experience
1: with this movie. So just doing quick Wikipedia, I have not found winners of past Dove Awards, but I did find the eight factors that they use to determine whether a movie gets the Dove Seal of approval or not. Lamb on me. So a movie is evaluated based on its faith and its integrity. Those will give it a positive rating. Uh, And to get a four or a five, they have to be overtly Christian.
2: What's the total score?
1: So movies are scored out of five based on how they do on all of these things. So faith and integrity are the only two positive ones. Everything else brings a movie's score down. Oh. And the other ones are sexuality, language, violence, drugs, nudity, or other.
2: Do you think having a character who's a criminal counts?
1: Other includes such objectionable content as, quote, Disrespect for authority, lying, cheating, stealing, illegal activity, frightening scenes, or demonic or similar references.
0: Those sound like fantastic movies.
2: Yeah. I have some concerns.
0: You know, I think this movie maybe would have
1: been improved by some demonic activity.
0: The child turns out to be Damien from The Omen.
1: Or maybe instead
0: of a replicant,
1: Oliver could have been like
0: a demon puppet. Or the dinosaur was haunted. Ooh, stuffed animal. I love that idea. That's the sequel. Should we talk about the romance of this movie?
1: I mean, the primary concern of the movie is, will the P.O. Stables be able to identify who threw a disposable camera in the mailbox with an address on it? And so they're tracking down this woman who's on the run with her child because her husband was arrested for misuse of government funds when he was the mayor of their town
0: i do have to say that kid did not put stamps on the camera so the post office should not be delivering it
1: yeah well i guess that's how it wound up at the dead letter office
0: but if he didn't pay proper postage why are they putting in the effort to return it
1: because of the divine delivery theory mark by the grace of god they're gonna get this where it needs to be on time
0: so I guess in Denver, if you want your mail delivered for free, just kind of leave <laughs> off the address and they'll put a lot of work into figuring it out. So,
1: Mora, Yes. Every week, we break down the romantic plotline of a movie into five points to help us explore its romance. So this week, as our guest and as the reason that we watch this, it's up to you to guide us through the five points of signed, sealed, delivered, movie number 10, The Road Less Traveled.
2: So I couldn't decide which of the two romances to cover. So I have points for both of them. But I will say...
1: This does not sound like five.
2: Some of them are like minutes apart from each other in the movie. (laughs) There's not a lot to go with.
1: I mean, very little happens in this movie. It doesn't seem to make sense how long it takes because the movie tells us it takes place (laughs) across two days. Two
2: days! (sighs) To find the owner of a disposable camera...
1: They only drive like two, two and a half hours.
2: But they change drivers like six <laughs> times.
0: And they have a change of clothes with them, apparently. They constantly talk about how exhausted they are from the drive. And when I looked up the distances, at most they've driven four hours in one day. And then they have to call it a day. They stop to eat like five times.
2: That pie. They just have to keep going back for more pie.
0: Uh, All right, Mora. We're supposed to do five, but let's go through all nine of your points.
2: (laughs) We can discuss Rita and Norman first.
1: Oh, Norita, their little cute couple name.
2: Oh, yes. That's what they name their RV.
1: Yeah, the license plate on the RV says Norita, which I assume is Norman and Rita. It's possible that was explained in a previous movie. P.O. Stables, get at us and let us know.
2: So point one is really what happens before this movie, and it's just that Rita and Norman are engaged.
0: So a point zero, you might say?
2: Yeah, if it makes you feel like I have fewer points, if we call that one a point zero, sure. It
0: doesn't, but go ahead.
2: How far have you gotten on the list? The list? What list? The... <laughs> There's a hundred things to do? Of course not. There are thousands. Those are just the first hundred. So they're engaged and Rita is panicking about the planning, even though it's all very normal things. Shane bought her this magazine about the hundred things you have to do for wedding planning.
0: It was not Shane that bought this magazine. It was, I believe her name was Phyllis, who seems to be a recurring character that's always a problem.
2: Oh, really? I missed that completely. Yes,
0: but also
1: it is not the hundred things you need to do. She's told it's the first hundred things you need to do. And in fact, there are thousands of things you need to do before your wedding.
2: But she gets really overwhelmed as she's reading this list. And the things on the list are like, make an invite list, like send out invitations, hire, uh, like order flowers. And she's like shocked that these are all things she has to do. And I'm like, what did you think you were doing?
0: It's truly wild that this woman has clearly never been to a wedding for someone so religious.
2: Yeah.
1: Mark, as someone who is planning a wedding, like, did you share in Rita's stress?
0: I mean, I will say, I had brunch with some co-workers, one of whom is getting married the week before Nick and I are, and she was talking and she was, like, so stressed and basically had everything planned. She had the flora, she had their cake, she had their, uh, I don't know what, I mean, venue, obviously, and was picking out her dress and she was like, I feel so behind. And Nick and I are getting married the week after and have our venue and nothing else. So after that, I did start to feel a little stressed. Did I do anything to alleviate that stress? No. No, of course not.
2: Yeah, it does seem like she's got a lot planned though. But at least you know the things that you haven't done yet. Whereas Rita, everything she hasn't done seems to be a complete surprise to her.
0: Yeah, did you know you have to invite people to your wedding? (laughs) <laughs> Did Apparently, you know you, she need, didn't.
2: you need someone to actually marry you? She was surprised by that fact.
0: I have to find an officiant?
1: So according to the very brief Wikipedia summary for Sign Sealed, Delivered, Colon, to the altar, Norman and Rita have a non-traditional but tasteful wedding.
2: Well, she mentions multiple times they're sticking to postal colors only.
0: Yeah, it's specifically post office blue is the color scheme. Yeah. I hate so, it. So
2: point two... In this magazine, there's a quiz about, like, six things you should discuss with your partner before getting engaged. And so they decide to take the quiz. And it is alarming that they have not discussed these topics because it's things like how important is religion in your life and, notably, are you interested in having children or not? And they seem stressed by these topics. We need to
0: take this test. Seven questions to ask before getting engaged.
2: But we're already engaged. I know. (laughs) But I need to catch up.
1: Norman runs away when she asks about
0: children.
2: He, like, changes the topic of the conversation and starts talking about birds he's been looking at through his binoculars.
0: Yeah, I also want to highlight Norman brought his birding gear on this trip, apparently. Which, again, it
1: raises the question of, like, how long were they expecting to leave the office to identify where this disposable camera sender went.
2: To be fair, prob- they probably expected it to take longer than two days. Would you expect to True. figure it out that quickly?
1: Not really. Yeah, the, the whole premise here is bizarre to me.
2: So, after that conversation, they're very worried that they are incompatible. So in the next point, the two of them discuss their concerns with their best friends, Oliver and Shane, their other co-workers. Norman asked me to marry him. He specifically said he wanted a family. And now, now he's more interested in the average airspeed of a a red-tailed hawk? Norman loves you, Rita. Maybe he just felt... A little weird about taking a test to see if he's compatible with a woman that he's already engaged to. Maybe he realized he wasn't.
1: Is this when Rita starts going on about how what's amazing about Norman is that he can develop male recovery protocols that no one else could even imagine? No, that's the next point. You're getting ahead of yourself. Oh, dang it!
2: This is when Rita and Shane talk, and Oliver and Norman talk.
1: There's a lot of heavy-handed metaphor in this movie about relationships being like taking care of a car.
2: Yeah, it was weird. Uh, they keep talking about the RV and what you need to do to make it work, and it's clearly them talking about relationships. Oof. This point is where when Shane and Rita are talking, and Shane says something about, like, well, Norman loves you and that's enough, and I just don't know that that is enough when they have not discussed these very serious topics about their future lives.
1: You can't really compromise on having children.
2: No. So that's where we leave uh, point three. In point four, Rita and Norman go off to have a conversation about this. Do you not want to marry me anymore? Of course I want to marry you. But you don't want a family now? Do you don't want children? I do, more than anything. I just think that they shouldn't be um, my children where Norman talks about how he is a very insecure person.
1: And I'm guessing Norman mostly talks with his hands up, like, around his nipples. Yeah,
2: no one in this movie knows what to do with their hands. Norman's hands are always, (laughs) like, more than halfway up his torso and just, like, pinched into each other. Not fidgety, just pinched. But it
0: shows off his calculator watch. It really feels like the scene in Talladega Nights where Ricky Bobby says he doesn't know what to do with his hands during an interview. It made me think of Jack Donaghy holding a coffee mug in each fist.
2: (laughs) And then Oliver's hands are always either behind his back... Or, like, crossed in front of him at his waist. And it's just, that's the only thing people ever do with their hands.
1: Oliver's a big thumb twiddler. Like, he's always, like, doing some business with his thumbs while his hands
0: are crossed. Well, These people I are just, so awkward. I just want to point out that you were the one who made a 30 Rock reference this week.
2: <laughs> I know. So, basically, Norman is discussing how... He thinks he's, like, nerdy and weird, and he's worried that if they have children, he will pass this on to their children.
1: He's, like, going on and on about how, like, kids made fun of him, and you're like, okay, so, like, he doesn't want kids because kids are mean. But it becomes clear, like, no, he just thinks being uncool is genetic. And if he adopts kids, then those kids will be cool, unlike his genetic kids. And I'm like, no, your adopted kids are also not going to be cool because they're going to be raised
0: by you. He has so little self-esteem that he doesn't want to pass on his genetics. And that's why he wants to adopt children.
2: And so that's when Rita starts talking him up, saying how great he is, and talking about the male protocol that he developed.
1: That no one else could even imagine. She also says that she had also wanted to adopt because she wants a rainbow of babies.
2: Yeah.
0: That was yikesy.
2: It's
1: pretty uncomfortable, but I feel like it's intended to be beautiful.
2: I think so. But they're both on board with adopting, so I guess that is a good outcome of the conversation. So, um... That's kind of that. And then in point five, at the end of the movie, they continue to happily plan their wedding and have a cake tasting where... They don't eat any cake. Norman brings pie.
1: He brings an entire pie and then the cake tasting guy is like, well, I guess I will just slice this and put it on plates for you.
2: Yeah, definitely not allowed. So that's uh, their relationship. I think they'll be... Maybe happy together, but also need to have some better conversations.
1: Well, they get married in the next movie, so to find out if they are happily married, you have to watch the new one that comes out this October. Ooh.
0: All right, Maura, bring us to, I guess, Sholliver.:
2: All right. <laughs> so, at the start of the movie, Oliver and Shane are very flirty, but in a very awkward way. It's Oh, funny it's we're painful like
0: painful to watch. Perhaps I can lift a remnant of ink with our new solution.
2: I had no idea you were such a chemistry buff. Oh, yes.
0: In fact, when I was 10, I begged my father for a chemistry set, but he felt I was
2: spending too much time on indoor pursuits already, so he signed me up for Little League instead. (laughs) How long did that last? Three games. Too much dirt.
1: (laughs) If I had not read about this franchise, I don't know how long it would have taken me to pick up on the fact that they were dating.
2: Yeah, I definitely didn't think they were dating. I thought it was just like awkward flirtation where they were like trying to signal that they like each other.
1: I think there's a lot of that in the early movies.
2: But I think to some extent that it like they're dating but it doesn't seem that official based off the end of the movie
0: i think the pain of watching these two flirt is what really got me anti oliver they have no chemistry,
1: but that's because Oliver doesn't have chemistry with anybody.
2: But it's so weird because at <laughs> one point they're trying to have like a flirty conversation in the RV and Shane is like, oh, like since we're technically out of the office, I think you can use my first name. And he's kind of like, uh, no, that's not going to happen. We're still on a work related trip. And I'm like, why can't you call each other but by their then first she, names?"
0: But then she goes, that's what I thought you'd say. <laughs>
2: so weird. It's like I got the vibe from that conversation that. She was more into him than he was, and he was really trying to, like, keep up some barriers.
1: So for a little context, they go on their first date in the sixth movie, which is Signed, Sealed, Delivered, One in a Million. But I think it's in, like, eight when they, like, are, like, seriously dating. And that's Signed, Sealed, Delivered, Higher Ground, which is the Hurricane Katrina
0: one. I feel like this is the first time he uses boyfriend, though.
2: That's why I was saying it still feels very like yes. early.
1: That's I mean, I my guess is that it's been three years since the last movie was made and there might be a time jump to have them planning their wedding in the one that's coming up.
2: Okay. Yeah.
1: Because she does seem very excited by the word boyfriend. Right.
0: We are jumping ahead. I assume this is point five. I think Mark just wanted to be done.
2: Uh there are <laughs> not five points for their relationship. That's point four. <laughs> 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 so in point two. Shane has been getting texts on her phone from someone named Alex, and at one point...
1: All the texts are like, we need to talk, I messed up, I love you, call me back, I love you. Yes. Shoot. Forgot to ask Rita to get pickles.
2: (laughs) Rita knows you love pickles. Did you remember to tell Shane that you like your ham and cheese on a rye? Oh. I like to think we know each other well enough by now to...
1: And she forgot to take her. And Shane has her ringer on like a dummy.
2: And also her phone doesn't have a password or anything. So when she gets a text, everybody can read it. It doesn't just say like new message.
0: I gotta say, I figured out that it was not. I feel like the first text I already realized it was going to be a dumb twist.
2: Well, I did not realize oh, until uh... you mentioned that it was going to be her sister. I was like
1: immediately, I was like, this is going to be a woman. It's going to be her sister.
2: I had no idea.
0: I feel like men are never named Alex in movies or TV. It's always a woman who is supposed to be confused for a man.
1: If they had wanted it to be, like, a former lover of hers, they would have been named, like, Dwayne.
0: Brian. Will,
2: that is the same name that came to my head just now. I knew you were going to say Dwayne, we're entangled! I made that
1: joke while we
0: watched the movie. No, you said, um... Something even dumber than Dwayne during the movie.
2: You you cannot deny the entanglement between us. We're not getting into this right now. <laughs> anyway, so Oliver sees these texts from Alex on Shane's phone, and he gets really jealous and is kind of like moody, like, you know, what's going on? Who is this person? So then in point three, Oliver confronts Shane about the texts, and Shane basically says, you know, it's something... That I need to figure out. She doesn't really say much about it, but she's like, but is it okay if we still hold hands while I'm figuring it out? Which also, to me, made me think that it was a guy. Because if you just are, like, dealing with some other personal issues, why would you make the comment about, can we still hold hands while I figure it out?
1: Well, she's basically saying, like, I can't explain this to you, but I would
0: appreciate your support. Right. I
2: guess so. It was saying,
0: I can't explain it. Do you still trust me?
2: Okay, that's fair.
1: Is there anything else you would like to tell me before we proceed?
2: I don't know. It's just I've been through something like this before. A breakdown? A temporary failure to restart. It just takes some patience.
0: Patience? Hmm. Huh. So I shouldn't check for cracks
1: in the manifold or the water levels. But I don't know what I was thinking. All I need is patience. <laughs> I'm sure that's in the owner's
0: manual somewhere.
1: Please, Mora, allow me and Mark to explain why this movie makes sense. <laughs>
0: I love that we're giving it more credit than Mora is. The thing that our
1: listeners have to keep in mind that I feel like we have not spoken to clearly enough is that uh, the performances in this movie are bad and the movie is bad to look at and it doesn't make any sense.
2: I also just realized I forgot a point, so I do actually have five of her. Oh this my gosh! <laughs> so in point four, uh, spoiler alert if you were interested in the disposable camera to- plotline <laughs> of this movie. We barely talked about it. <laughs> they do end up finding the owner of it and. Uh, They meet up with the boy and his mother, and...
1: Yeah, Meadow from The Sopranos is the mom who's on the run that they're trying to track down.
2: And while they are talking with this boy's mother, Shane starts talking about, oh, yes, I have family issues also. My sister has a gambling problem. You've never mentioned your sister before. Hurt too much. Still does. But now you know. Thought you knew me, right?
0: Uh, I still do. I just don't know your sister. You're two different people. You're Shane McInerney.
2: And that is then when she tells Oliver that that's who Alex is and that it's her sister and she just feels really betrayed by everything her sister does. And that's why she hasn't been able to respond to her sister's calls and texts.
1: What's hilarious is that then... Shane makes a deal with Meadow from The Sopranos where she's like, listen, lady, like, your kid needs to know that his dad got jailed because he, like, misused government funds by accident. So if you call your incarcerated husband, I will call my sister who has a gambling addiction and then we'll both be making hard phone calls. And I'm just like, I don't really know why this convinces anyone.
2: Right, because then afterwards shane is like oh. they don't
1: do it in the same place
2: no when shane's like oh man i really wish i hadn't made that deal and i'm like you're a stranger i don't know that you saying you're gonna call your estranged sister is gonna be a good enough reason for this woman to call her like husband
0: also you don't have to follow through on
1: the deal like you could just assume
0: that the lady's gonna do it uh will the bible says thou shall not lie and the bible woman says of thou shall word. not
1: bear false witness which is kind of saying you shouldn't lie about something that has happened.
2: But ma- she's going to know, I, you know, they're going to be back to that pie shop and she's still going to be working there and they're going to be in touch. Maura, that pie only...
1: shop is so
0: far away. It's about so say, far it's away. Only three, three hours away.
2: <laughs> but, no, but Norman went back to get some for the cake tasting.
0: Norman, who cannot drive.
2: <laughs> yes, good point. He
1: fails the driver's test because he gets scared.
2: So in point five, Shane calls her sister, to make things up with her. Tell her you have a boyfriend. I, uh, <laughs> I have a boyfriend. <laughs> yeah, uh, he's, uh, he's everything I never knew I wanted. And while... She is talking to her. Oliver is standing by and whispers to Shane, tell her your sister you have a boyfriend. And that's when we know the relationship is official.
1: Yeah, she really smiles. And I'm pretty sure she says I have a boyfriend, but we were yelling too loudly to actually hear the line delivery.
2: It was so cringy.
1: But those were the shapes that her mouth made. And that's the end of the movie. So, Mora, you have broken this movie down into 10 points. (laughs) Correct. And I'm wondering whether you find all this romance believable.
2: Well, I, it's a, the I think um, Norman and Rita's relationship is real has a lot of red flags to me.
1: Yes, he ran away when she asked about children. He said basically, <laughs> "Look over there," and <laughs> ran off.
2: <laughs> so that one, no. Although I do think there probably are some people out there who get engaged and married without having a lot of conversations that they should have. Sure. Oliver and Shane, like, I guess. I feel like we don't see enough of it for me to really think that it's not believable.
0: They
1: have no chemistry.
0: Oliver is a replicant. <laughs> There's nothing believable about any performance in this movie in any way.
2: Oh, yeah. The acting is awful.
1: So every week we rate the movie's romantic believability on a 10 point scale where zero means we believe none of it and 10 means we believe all of it. Mora, where would you put the 10th film in the signed-to-sealed delivered universe? i guess the 11th if you count the pilot
2: i don't know maybe like a six
1: explain yourself
2: like i said i just like you know they're they work they spend a lot of time together at work and like seem to be good friends with each other outside of that also and like i i don't know that we get a real good reason for why it wouldn't work out for shane and oliver and i like i said i do think there probably are people who get married without having serious discussions and still some of them might be able to work it out.
1: I'm going a four. Okay. Because I think that while the two circumstances you just described are believable, the particulars of these characters make them less believable. How so? Well, for example, Norman running away. Literally, when this topic comes up, Um, Rita's...
2: But love is enough, Will.
1: Rita's (laughs) apparent complete lack of understanding about anything involved in a wedding. Yeah. And then on the other side, like... Shane and Oliver's relationship is so weirdly distant where, you know, again, they like barely address one another. I I don't understand what that relationship even is, but I think I'm supposed to be pretty invested.
0: Don't forget Oliver is also just terrible. Just (laughs) so terrible. Some
2: terrible people end up In happy relationships. That's true.
1: Are you more of a low hands person or a high hands person? Uh,
2: Neither of them is good. I guess if I had to choose, I would choose the low
1: hands. Yeah. Norman's high hands, like, really just like...
2: Closes him off.
1: Yeah. He's just like clasping his fingers... Right at, like like I said, like, nipple height. And
2: it again, it looks like he should be fidgeting with them, but he's not. They're just stationary up there. And
1: it's worse because he's wearing a button-down, short sleeve shirt that's tucked into his pants. And so it's really just, like, showing off his elbows in a way that's kind of
0: weird.
2: And his calculator watch.
0: My favorite is the straight-elbow, white-knuckling purse handle that the two women use.
2: Oh, yeah. Well, in one point... When Oliver and Shane are holding hands, Oliver's holding his arm like weirdly far away from himself. And that's another thing where I feel like he has put up guards against her. He can't let her in.
0: I'm going with a four also. Yeah.
2: Okay. I'll lower mine. You don't have to. No, I think I will.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I think we've convinced her. Okay. So do you think, I think we're pretty clear on this, but do you think any of our romantic leads is dateable?
2: No. Absolutely
1: not. Shane is the most dateable because she is the the biggest cipher.
0: If you did have to pick one person in this movie to date, who would you choose?
2: I think I would probably date Minnie from Minnie's Diner because first of all, she was like the one person who really wasn't giving away information about Rachel and her son when these random strangers came in and asked a lot of questions. To be clear,
1: they're from the post office.
2: She also is a nice person. When she found out Rachel had no money, she helped, like, give her food and, like, helped her find a place to stay. And on the plus side, she bakes, apparently, delicious pies.
1: That's a great answer. My answer is Sylvia from the hotel in Mesa, Pueblo. I love her. Uh, Sylvia is the head of catering. As soon as she walks in, you're like, oh, this is a fun lady. And she's talking about, like, that great 80s party that they threw three weeks ago. And their big hair. Yeah, she seems like a good time. Without living in the middle of nowhere, you know, because the thing about that pie shop is it's just so far
0: away from everything.
2: She does seem fun.
0: It's the only restaurant for a hundred miles.
2: Yeah, that's insane.
0: I was also thinking Minnie and then also Sylvia. But, you know, Doug at the front counter is very cute.
2: (laughs) I could not date him because he's allergic to flowers and I like flowers too much.
0: Eh.
1: Doug is just having a rough time the day that they see him in this movie. Because there's a flower festival taking place at the hotel, and he's allergic, and like didn't switch his shift or something. And also or take like allergy meds. Yeah, and also the reason he remembered Rachel's name is because it's his ex girlfriend's name, and he's clearly pretty broken up about that. Yeah, he
2: was a little pathetic.
0: He's cute though. Do you think that these couples will stay together?
2: Well, oh, I feel like they don't really know enough other people to date anyone <laughs> else if they don't stay together. And it would be awkward because they were so committed to their line of work that I think it would be very awkward if it was four people who all previously dated each other.
1: Imagine how tense that exposed brick office over a factory floor would be.
2: So I think, yes, they will stay together.
0: Yeah, I think if you only know three people and you're already in love with one of them, unless you cheat with the other one, you will stay together.
1: Yeah. That one's called Signed, Sealed, Delivered. The road we should not have traveled.
0: (laughs) All right. Oh, Will, you didn't say. What do you think? Will
1: they stay together? No, of course. I mean, yeah, I think they probably will for all the reasons we said. Yeah, they're going to stay together.
0: All right. So many of the movies we covered have been adapted into Broadway musicals. Mora, should Sign Sealed Delivered, colon, The Road Less Traveled be adapted into a Broadway musical? Mora
1: like, put her head in her hands and made this magnificent grimace.
2: Here's the thing. <laughs> I don't think this movie should be any longer than it is, because it was only 80 minutes and it felt long. <laughs> but I do think some songs could spice it up a bit. It feels long because nothing happens. Like, you're it watching drags.
1: them accomplish nothing. Like, the one real musical moment is when Norman drives for the first time and they play Born to be Wild.
0: You also don't want them to find her because you know the woman is in distress.
1: Yeah. Also, this should not be a musical because it's stupid. <laughs> <laughs> it's so bad. It's, it's too dumb to be adapted anywhere else. That's it's true. Now that I'm sitting dumb. here trying to
2: imagine what some of the songs would be, I want nothing to do with that.
1: You don't want the little kid starting the movie by singing about his dad? No. Okay. It
2: would be like a like Castle on the Cloud kind of song, and we all know that's the worst movie in that show. The worst song.
0: I think that's about it for this movie. I don't know how much more we can get into it.
1: Yeah, this episode is going to be more than half as long as the movie. And (laughs) there's not that much to the movie. So next week, we are going to be covering a brand new release. Um, It should be out now already. So you can head to your local movie theater and make your own opinion on the new film adaptation of Dear Evan Hansen.
2: Great show, but he looks really old in that trailer, and it just seems weird.
0: The makeup makes him look older. That's the worst part.
2: Yeah.
1: I burst out laughing every time I see that trailer in the movie theater, and I feel a little bit bad, but the more times I see it, the less bad I feel, because I'm like, there aren't that many people going to the movies right now, which is a shame, but like, everyone should be on the same page as I am. Hey, this is Will just jumping in to say that due to some rescheduling we've had to do with our guest, we will not be covering Dear Evan Hansen next week. Instead, that episode will be out on October 11th, so make sure you get yourself to the theaters before that. Instead, next week, we will be covering Jonathan Demi's 1986 comedy "Something Wild. So stay tuned for that.
0: But until then, you can follow the show on Facebook and Twitter at Love the Love Pod and you can email us questions or movie suggestions at Lovethelove at gmail.com.
1: Make sure to rate review and subscribe, especially on Apple Podcasts to help other people find the show.
0: All right, Mora, last question. What is the best piece of dating advice we got from Sign Sealed Delivered, The Road Less Traveled?
2: My advice is to always be honest because, as Oliver tells us, there is no expiration date on the truth.
1: I mean, something could no longer be true.
2: There is no expiration date on the truth, Will. (laughs)
1: Like, New York City used to be the capital of New York, but it's not anymore.
2: There's no expiration date on the truth. There's no expiration date on the truth.
1: My dating advice is always save your partner a slice of pie because Norman eats an entire pie except for one slice that he saves for
0: Rita.
2: That's great advice.
0: My advice is discuss whether you want to have children with a potential partner, <laughs> at least before we you have get have married. This?
2: <laughs> I
1: suppose that is the best dating advice in the movie.
2: Yes. For anybody who needed to hear that... <laughs>
0: I hope you didn't. There you go. Until next time, I'm gay. And I'm a ginger. So between the two of us, we know everything there is to know about romance. Bye!